If grace is necessary for us to have salvation, how do we get that grace? We're going to talk about that today and more on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, August the 27th of 2008, and I'm your host, Toby Logsdon, and welcome to our next lesson on the essentials, where we are discussing the doctrines that define Christianity. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We are so glad to have you here with us today. We hope that you'll listen to a few of our lessons to get an idea of where we're coming from today and uh, and where we're going in the future as well. But God bless you and thank you for joining us. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Man, we are getting some serious, serious rain here in Charlotte. Yesterday, it just poured for like 15 hours straight, which, uh, you know, it's going to give us a really nice green lawn and hopefully help us sell our house. But uh, man, the real estate market right now is brutal. And, uh, you know, yesterday this report came out that uh, that in the second quarter of the year, homes took the sharpest dive in prices that they've ever taken uh, in one quarter. So, uh, well, you know, we're trusting in God and trusting in his sovereignty and his ability to sell our house. Uh, it's definitely not going to sell itself in this market. That's that's what I'm thinking. But anyway, hope you guys are having a, a great week. Uh, for those of you who didn't listen on Monday, I do want to make a real quick announcement about Justin. Uh, a lot of you guys have realized that Justin hasn't been around much lately, hasn't posted much lately, and uh, I finally heard from him. Uh, I had written him an email a couple weeks ago and asked him, you know, just if everything was okay. I was a little bit worried about, uh, you know, whether something had happened to him or not, but I did hear back from him, and basically, you know, he's just, he's so busy with his full-time job, and he's going to be really busy with school coming up. He's going to have three classes, so, uh, you know, neither he nor I take a salary for doing this on BibleStudyPodcast.org. So unfortunately, this has to take a back seat uh, for him right now. But he does hope to be able to post somewhat regularly, you know, maybe every couple weeks, maybe every month or so. But uh, for the time being, it's probably not going to be too regularly. But anyway, you know, you guys can get in contact with him through email if you have his email address. And if not, you can email me and I can get in contact with him for you if you need anything. So anyway, let's open today up with a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word, and uh, Lord, this study has helped us to understand you so much more and helped us to understand what we believe so much more, and Lord, this is one of the crucial, crucial things that we're talking about today, and so I just pray that you would open up our ears, open up our minds, so that we could really just understand this stuff and get to know you more and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, almost everything that we've covered up to this point has been, you know, either a belief that is implicitly or explicitly necessary to believe in order to receive salvation. And we kind of drew that distinction at the beginning, that there would be implicit and explicit doctrines. And we've established, you know, for example, that uh, that we're all depraved. And, you know, we have this sin nature and that it's implicitly necessary to recognize human depravity. It's not explicitly necessary. It's not like you don't get salvation if you don't believe that you're depraved. 
but uh, you know you have to recognize human depravity because if you don't, you don't recognize your need for a savior. So it's implicit, not explicit. We also talked about the deity and the humanity of Christ and established that Jesus was fully God and fully man in his nature. And we also talked about the importance of recognizing his God-man nature because that's what allows him to redeem us. We've also established that the death and resurrection of Christ are among the greatest of the Christian doctrines that are essential to our faith because they're at the very heart of the gospel message. And then last week we talked about the necessity of God's grace because without grace, without God's grace, the Bible teaches very clearly that we are still dead in our sins. So while Roman Catholics and Protestants both, uh, you know, we differ in the views of the extent of God's grace, nevertheless, both sides do agree that God's grace is necessary for salvation. Now, when we talk about the necessity of God's grace, you know, we naturally and logically should follow that up with a discussion of how one receives that grace. Now, the Bible makes it abundantly clear to us, and every Christian group recognizes this, but the Bible makes it very clear to us that grace is given as a result of our faith. Where there is no faith, there is no grace. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 teaches us that without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible to please God. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, Paul tells us that it is, quote, by grace you have been saved through faith. In other words, it is through faith or because of faith that we're saved by God's grace. In Romans chapter 1 verse 17, what did Paul tell his readers? He told us that the righteous will live by obedience to the commands of God, right? No? Okay, let's try that again. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Paul told us that the righteous will live by doing good works, right? No, wrong again. How about the righteous will live by being religious? No, Paul tells us that the righteous will live by faith. And this is something that he repeats actually a few times throughout his writings. But uh, the writer of Hebrews, whom I believe to be Paul, but nobody's really sure about exactly who the author is, but the writer of Hebrews said the same thing in uh, chapter 10, verse 38. He said, now the just shall live by faith. In Acts chapter 16, verses 30 through 31, Paul and Silas are in jail and their guard asks them, what must I do to be saved? And what was their response? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Now, the Greek word for faith is very interesting, and this is something that uh, that I always want to talk about with people when we're talking about faith, just so they get a clear understanding of what it means. Faith in and of itself doesn't have to be blind, and that's a common misconception that people uh, that people frequently have. So let's just clarify that. Well, the Greek word for faith is pistuo. When Jesus came into Galilee in Mark uh, chapter 1 verse 14, for example, he proclaimed, repent and believe, pistueta, the gospel. That's the, that's the tense for believe there. Now, remember that verse from Ephesians that we just talked about a minute ago that said, by grace you have been saved through faith. Well, the word for faith that's used here is pisteos. Uh, do you see what we have here? we have a complete explanation of what it means to have faith because faith is actually the noun form of the verb to believe. Or we could say that believe is the verb form of the noun faith. So to have faith simply means 
to believe. So with that in mind, Jesus taught the necessity of faith in what's probably considered the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, where he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes, and there's that word, whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So now we understand that it would be just as accurate to translate that verse as saying that whoever has faith in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. It's basically the same thing. In Romans chapter 3 verse 21, Paul writes that the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So you get a little bit of of an idea of the distinction there, but it's basically the same concept. The same was true in the Old Testament. The people weren't saved by obedience to the law of Moses, contrary to the opinion of some people, but, uh, you know, they were saved by their faith in God to save them, and by their faith in the Messiah who was to come in order to redeem them. And we actually find this modeled in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, which says that Abram, you know, soon to be renamed Abraham, Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, as we've covered in the Roman study, this was a long time. This was about 15 years or so before Abraham actually did something in his actions that was considered to be a righteous act. But now we reach a crucial point in this lesson, and that is the object of our faith. That is, in what or whom do we place our faith in? In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter actually answers that question for us when he says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, whose name is he referring to here? He's referring to Jesus, of course. And Jesus taught in John chapter 8, verse 24, that, quote, If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, if you do not believe that I am he, who is this he that he's referring to? Well, actually, if you look at the Greek text, uh, the word he isn't even there. And I'm not sure that it belongs there. I'm not sure it should have been translated into the English either. Uh, so therefore, when we read this verse in the Greek, it actually says, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, Moses had just asked God what he should tell the people when he comes down the mountain, and they ask who sent him with this message. And God responds by saying, Say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So when Jesus said, If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins, not only was he telling them to put their faith in him in order to be saved, but he's also claiming to be God here. But the object of our belief, uh, or of our faith, must be Jesus. So let's talk about what it means to have faith in Jesus. Let's take the example of uh, a flight of stairs. Now, if you believe that there is a stair in front of you, what do you do? Well, you either step up or you step down, depending on the direction you're going. And, uh, you know, speaking from experience here, few things in life are worse than thinking that there are no stairs going down in front of you, and so you step out into midair, only to find out there was one more step. But, uh, you know, maybe warm soda. (laughs) That might be worse, warm soda. But you get what I'm saying. If you believe that there is a stair step in front of you, 
you step accordingly. And it's the same with having faith in Jesus. When you take a step on a stair, you're believing that the stair has the ability to hold your weight. You're believing that it's there. You believe that if you don't step accordingly, you'll either trip if you're going up or you'll fall if you're going down. So when you have faith in Jesus, you recognize that because you're a sinner and thus you are in need of a savior, you believe that Jesus, you have faith that Jesus and Jesus alone can save you. Just like failure to step accordingly is going to cause you to to trip or to fall on a flight of stairs, the Bible teaches that without faith in Jesus, without believing in Jesus, we're dead in our sins. So again, it is 100% absolutely necessary for the object of one's faith to be none other than Jesus. So there's no doubt about it. If a cult is defined as a group of people who deviate from one of the central doctrines of Christianity, which uh, is indeed the definition I would use for a cult, um, and then they still claim to be a part of that parent religion, then any group which either implicitly or explicitly denies the necessity of faith in Jesus is what I would consider to be a cult. Now, what do I mean by implicitly or explicitly? Let's talk about that again. Well, certain cults may explicitly deny that it's necessary to have faith in Jesus at all in order to be saved. And other groups may implicitly deny the necessity of faith by emphasizing faith in a non-biblical Jesus, for example. And we're going to talk about that. Let's consider some of the groups which would fall into these categories in order that we can clarify what I'm talking about here. First of all, let's talk about groups which explicitly deny the necessity of faith in Jesus. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Jeremiah Wright? Uh, Many of you probably have. He's been in the news a lot over the last six or so months. Uh, Anyway, the Reverend Jeremiah Wright has been in the news a bit, and I have to watch uh, what I say here, but I can say that Jeremiah Wright was the pastor of somebody who's pretty famous right now, Uh, but you can Google it if you need more information. Anyway, Jeremiah Wright was asked by a reporter, Reverend Wright, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. In light of that comment, what do you think of the religion of Islam? And Jeremiah Wright responded by saying, Jesus also said, other sheep have I who are not of this fold. Let's have a quick listen to that just real quick here. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but through me. Do you believe this, and do you think Islam is a way to salvation? Jesus also said, other sheep have I who are not of this fold. Jesus also said, other sheep have I who are not of this fold. Well, what exactly is Reverend Jeremiah Wright saying here? He's saying that it's not necessary to have faith in Jesus. When Jesus said that he had other sheep who were not of this fold, what was this fold? It was the Jews. That's who he was talking to. So who were these other sheep that he was referring to? He was referring to Gentiles. He wasn't saying that he had other sheep who didn't believe in him or who didn't have faith in him, but who were his sheep anyway. No, it, you know, it's kind of funny, actually, how someone like Jeremiah Wright uh, never answered the original question here, though, isn't it? So Jeremiah Wright, by definition, is teaching a very cultic theology. Uh, yet he claims to be a Christian, just like other cults who deny fundamental and essential doctrines of Christianity. But actually, you know, what I'll do is I'll put a link to this video of, of him saying this, uh, of this interview on our post for this lesson. So if you want to see it for yourself, you can find the link under today's lesson post. Today is uh, August 27th, 
2008. So uh, you'll find a link under there to a video where he says this. But, you know, we believe that in light of this type of poor theology, right is wrong. Get it? Or, as Yoda would say, wrong is right. Strong is Vader. Mind what you have learned. Save you, it can. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Anyway, the Freemasons are another group which explicitly denies the necessity of faith in Jesus. In fact, to become a member of the Freemasons, you do have to believe in God, but you can believe in any God you want. You can believe in Yahweh, Shiva, Zeus, Allah, you know, you name it. Any God you can find, you can believe in that God. And the Freemasons actually have a justification for their denial of the necessity of faith. They don't believe that people are inherently sinful, and they believe that a person must work toward their salvation. Freemason author James Rongstad wrote that, quote, If a person works faithfully at keeping the principles and teachings of the Lodge, then he will be ushered into the Grand Lodge above, end quote. So faith, according to the Freemasons, plays no necessary role in a person's salvation. John Robinson, who's another Freemason author, writes that, quote, The Masonic teaching is to encourage the individual to achieve toward the hope of resurrection and immortality through personal merit and acts of charity, end quote. So uh, the Freemasons are another group which, you know, they, they deny the necessity of faith for salvation. And on the other hand, we have groups which claim to believe in the necessity of faith, but the object of their faith is someone or something other than Jesus. For the Mormons, for example, and man, we hit these guys every week. For the Mormons, they don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Instead, they believe that Jesus was this created being who had to earn his deity by being a good person. Not uh, not in this life. He was a good spirit person before he came down to earth. Uh, further, he's the spirit brother of Lucifer rather than the God who created everything, Lucifer included. They also teach that Jesus is the same as Jehovah in the Old Testament, but he's not Elohim. The word Elohim doesn't apply to Jesus. And further, they teach that Jesus was born of a woman, Mary, who engaged in physical sexual intercourse with God. There was not a miraculous conception uh, as the Jesus in our Bible teaches. So implicitly, the Mormons don't teach that faith in Jesus is necessary because they believe in a false Jesus. Explicitly, however, they also deny the necessity of faith. Mormon author James Talmadge wrote a book called Study of the Articles of Faith, and he referred to uh, justification by belief alone as being a, quote, most pernicious doctrine. End quote. And further, he wrote that, quote, there is no difference in meaning between true faith and works of faith. In the Bible, the two terms mean the same thing, end quote. So explicitly speaking, they also deny uh, faith. They deny the sufficiency of faith. Jehovah's Witnesses are another group which explicitly deny the sufficiency of faith, and they hold to a works-based salvation. The Watchtower Society, which is the organization that maintains uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they teach that, quote, it is for the reward of eternal life that every last person on earth should be working. Are you End quote. Now, so the Jehovah's Witnesses teach that you only have salvation if 
you work for it. Uh, not surprisingly, the New Age also teaches that you can have faith in whatever you want or in nothing. Uh, that comes as no surprise. Oprah Winfrey, for one, has vehemently opposed the idea that faith in Jesus is necessary for salvation. Uh, according to Baird Spaulding in his book, Life and Teaching of the Masters of the Far East, he writes, quote, Only man has the power to forgive sin, discord, and inharmony, which causes sickness. It is not God who forgives, end quote. So New Age theology and philosophy is all about, really, it's about uh, the deification or the glorification of man, you know, exalting ourselves to a god-like status. Their ideology is basically, you know, it boils down to who needs a god when you have yourself. Sounds very similar to something a certain serpent said once in a certain garden. We won't go there. But anyway, the Oneness Pentecostal cult, they also, uh, you know, denied the, the doctrine of the Trinity, but they also deny the sufficiency of faith. Instead, according to the Oneness Pentecostals, a person has to be baptized in order to be saved. And not only that, but they teach that if you get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you haven't done it right. You haven't done it by the right quote-unquote formula, and thus you're not saved. But if you get saved in the name of Jesus only, then you're saved, according to the Oneness Pentecostal cult, which is also the cult that the popular band Phillips, Craig, and Dean are pastors in. According to Dan Dean's church, if you go to his church's website, a person has to be baptized. Why? Because that's what washes away our sin. Ugh. Anyway, honestly, guys, the list goes on and on and on. Every cult either explicitly denies the necessity of faith in Jesus or implicitly denies the necessity of faith by worshiping a Jesus that's different from the Jesus taught in the Bible. The Bible is clear. Without faith in Jesus, there is no salvation. And for that reason, we hold this to be a doctrine that is essential to Christianity and one that we won't compromise on. So anyway, I hope this clears it up for you or answers any questions you might have. If you have any questions that I didn't answer about this, about what faith is or uh, the necessity of faith, my email address is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com, and uh, I'll be more than happy to try and help you out there. Again, for those of you who maybe haven't listened to any of our other lessons on the essentials, this study is based on the book Conviction Without Compromise, which is written by Dr. Norman Geisler and Dr. Ron Rhodes, who is president of Reasoning from the Scriptures Ministries. And uh, this is number one on our recommended reading list on BibleStudyPodcast.org. So anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. I'll see you next time on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture.
We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to him. Keep growing closer to Jesus.